It's the Out of Your League Modcast, presented by Gridiron Monks. And here are your hosts, Vivian and Milton. Oh no, the wheels came off New York. It was groovy, no? Well, it lasted, but you know, Halloween kicked in and we're back to the spooky reality of the real world. Sucky teams, you know, have been scared back into their corner in this Dia de los Muertos week. Like the Raiders, the Bengals, the Bears. Tom Brady divorces his selfish wife. Hey, I mean, he just wanted to play football, that's all. And got petrified, just like Aaron Rodgers in primetime. Two remaining old guard QBs looking horrific and dead. Trades are happening as we speak. All these freaking teams, you know, procrastinating like I do at work. <laughs> till the end, you know, waiting till the last minute. So we got so much to cover. So let's hit it, dummy boy. Tom Brady minute drill. Top Golf hits one off of good, not great. Dance and match team finally gets a new name, fantasy football team, and wins a big one over Calvin Sportsbook. I was over on the bench, somehow defeats 21 rings, while Diana Stanley team gets crushed by Big EC, won 59.10 to 58.78, ouchie. Herb, your enthusiasm, puts three Bengals and a hand dog in a corner to make end up 500. A league two, Connor's glorious team on a hot streak, while Think with Tugel is on a losing streak. Kyle Kemp's real team scares off all Barkley no bite, while Rams house fared better than the Lambs when faced with Jill's super team. Los Diablos Moncos looks to make a comeback, taking now down the Wolfpack, and all Pacheco punch some Friday night corgis. That's right, I'm 4-4 four four now, after starting a 4 league 3. Team trying my best to improve their game over Excelsior, while yo Belichick yourself brings down Yanel's Rat Pack during a Chiefs by ooh, Rebecca was trash with Sporgo. And Dan Dandy's team demolishes Rika's legit team. Philly Philly chumps down on Scott's Tots 131 to 73. League 4, Trufani's sloppy stakes slips one over Lindsay's legendary team. Muffy's Luth went loose on Mandy's marvelous while slack. <laughs> while sack lunch steals one away from Angie's astonishing team. Karen's swag team swings sweet victory over Brady Gaga and McLovin it barely squeaks one out over Herbert Sherbert's 128.9 to 126.34 to remain undefeated. League 5, I got a feeling, clown Christian Clowns. Peter's phenomenal team chows down on Flutie Flakes while Kyle's legendary team fumbled over Laces Out. The Smith's dazzling team took a dazzling victory over Spartans 163.34 to 74.60. And Travis Brooks Bashers trashes Joel's standing team to stay on top. In League 6, Thomas Match team meets Error DNU and could not self correct. Beer Vodka Valet celebrations were now were in tow with a victory over Ain't No Holodeck Girl. Jake's world-class team looked less than against Will's, Will's extraordinary team. Sorry guys, it's early. And Mr. Football lifts up his namesake with a whooping 190.50 points to shatter Acre Berkey Acre hearts. Ah, oh, damn, my pronunciation this morning. Below Average Leather has an above-average week, taking a win from Miles' magnificent team. League 7, A-team was the one killing it on the week while laid-off Monks continues to dominate over Big Dak Energy. To Affinity and Beyond took Big Cubs, huh? And Sky Superchargers falls to Francis' fantastic team. Alex's awesome team takes the League 7 blowout of the week, beating Emily's excellent team by 39.12. League 8, demented and sad but social, with a happy victory over Claudia's stand-up team. Danny, Danny Dynes trumps Brooks' boost team, boss team. 
in a low-scoring affair. Cake's quality team hands B Legendary his first loss of the season. While Hurt, so good, looks to ascend like the Eagles in the win over Monster Mash. The auto draft Kings had no problem taking down more money, more problems, 131.6 to 123. League 9, Gronkimi softly tosses a Hail Mary while Mitch's matchless team brings down Obojen. Stacy's quality team needed quality control falling to rebuilding year. The Vantas Inferno came with a fiery vengeance to take out Trey Area, while the terrible towels get wiped by 18 of the best turnip recipes. Late 10, Sunday Night Kings who comes to full school, Touched Mamo steals one from Kailito Bandito, while Cats and Rival team breaks down Sarah's OK team. Edwards' quality team puts the brakes on no breaks, Jake, and Jordan's grand team gives up a win to Colin Master Blasters. OK, last yard to touchdown, League of Sea champions. Rebus and Butthead butts out Orange is a new sack. JT's Legends now on a strong losing streak falls to Champlain and L. LFG yelled LFG in a back-to-back win over Kendall Beckham Jr. I'm thinking Arby's rebounds after the week 7 in a 40-point blowout against third-string kickers, even with Tony Pollard on the bench. There is so much happening this week. Obviously, we knew the NFL trade deadline was today. Um, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the influx of news that came in in the last hour of the trade deadline was just absolutely insane. So we'll start with the trades first, and then we can cover off on some of the injury reports that oh. we've gotten. But honestly, I feel like some of the injury reports, we didn't even get updates on just because everything was overshadowed by the trade deadlines. Um, <laughs> so... First off, um, we'll start with some. Oh, we'll start with the Bears. So the Bears um, traded their linebacker Rokon Smith to the Ravens. This actually happened earlier, um, or on the tail end of last week versus today, but they traded them to the Ravens for a second and a fifth. And this was an interesting trade for the Bears, I think, because. I mean, on the one hand, getting two picks for an impending free agent is good, but it's so the Bears traded their linebacker Rokon Smith to the Ravens for a second and a fifth round pick. So this is a really interesting trade for the Bears. On the one hand, I think getting two picks for an impending free agent is good. Um, and it's very clear that between trading Rokon Smith and Robert Quinn that the rebuild is on. But on the other hand, for now, the Bears' defense is now worse than ever. Mm. So um, when we talk about you know this past week's matchup and all the upcoming matchups, I think it's safe that you can start pretty much all of your positional players against the Bears' defense um, in terms of fantasy, at least. Mm-hmm. Now... Now, the Vikings um, made a big trade this morning. Um, this is actually the first list that on our injury report is that their tight end, Irv Smith, has been officially placed on the IR um, and is expected to be out eight to ten weeks. So now the Vikings get tight end TJ Hawkinson, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. Meanwhile, the Lions get a 2023 second-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick. So, obviously, a great trade for both the Vikings since Irv Smith is banged up. 
and fantasy managers since Hawkinson gets an upgrade at the quarterback position and is going into a higher higher powered offense. So I think that's, I mean, I think as an owner of Hawkinson, I'm pretty happy about it. (laughs) I'd rather have Kirk throwing to him than Goff. Nice. You're one of the lucky ones. One of the lucky ones. Um, Let's see. Some additional bear movement from the Bears. So the Bears actually traded for wide receiver Chase Claypool. Um, I don't think that's been talked about yet, and our Slack channel have not been keeping up. Um, But the Bears get Chase Claypool. The Steelers get a 2023 second-round pick. So in theory, this is a good trade for the Bears since Justin Fields gets another starting caliber wideout. Um, I think this could open up the field a little bit more for them because right now, as it stands, Mooney obviously has been the only clear receiving talent on this team. So, you know, defense is kind of zero in on him. I think in terms of fantasy, this might be a downgrade for Claypool. I don't really know yet. You know, like I feel like he's been doing okay these past couple weeks. He's been getting the touches, getting touchdowns. Um it's all going to be very dependent on how they split the limited targets that they do have on this offense. And if they get the passing attack going a little bit more now that they figured out Justin Fields role mm-hmm. a little more. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Claypool gets a boost on the bears versus the Steelers? I think, I think it's going to be the same. Uh, pretty, uh, I'm going to stay in the same uh, realm of points, you know, your typical eight to 10 points. So don't panic people. You're still get your, pedestrian Claypool numbers. Yeah. Now the Packers were in the running and actually offered the same, um, the same value as Chicago, but the Steelers believe that Chicago's pick would be considerably higher, even though both teams are three and five. (laughs) I think clay, like the Packers green Bay in terms of fantasy value, you know, that, that would have been a far better landing place than Chicago. Mm -hmm. But Justin Fields is, you know, picking up speed. Uh, I think he's figuring out how to play football now. And I'm excited about this Bears offense. Kind of, I don't know, kind of like it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, if their defense, I mean, their defense is bad now. So maybe Fields will be forced to throw more, just trying to keep up. Exactly. That's the whole point. We just care about fantasy here. <laughs> Um, now, this is an interesting one. The Jaguars have traded for a suspended Calvin Ridley to, from the Falcons. The Falcons get a conditional pick ranging from a second rounder to a sixth rounder. So that is to be determined. Obviously, Calvin Ridley it was suspended this season. And going to next season, he will be 28 when he officially puts on a Jaguars helmet for the first time. But, you know, in the past when he did start, he was a legitimate number one. Um, on the offense. Obviously, no fantasy implications here for this year because he's not playing, but I think this will be really interesting to monitor for next year if he makes the team. No, I mean, this guy hasn't played in two years. Remember the year before he was suspended, he just walked out of the team. So that's why I I don't even remember this guy. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, he was dealing with some mental health issues, so maybe a change of scenery will be helpful for him. Okay, we'll see. Long forgotten Calvin Ridley. Um, the Commanders 
um, are receiving a six-round pick in 2025 in exchange for cornerback William Jackson, which the Steelers are getting. Um, they are also getting a conditional seventh-round pick in 2025. So this was kind of cool. The Steelers originally wanted um, Jackson as the 25th overall pick in 2016, but had him stolen, I think, by the Bengals, who took him 24th overall. So this is obviously a much-needed upgrade for the Steelers' secondary, considering how the Eagles absolutely torched them on Sunday. So <laughs> good get for the Steelers, I think. Okay. Now, a, a lot of movement in Miami. So mm-hmm. Miami traded the Broncos for uh, Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth-round pick. And then the Broncos are getting Chase Edmonds, a 2023rd first-round pick, a 2024 fourth-round pick. So we talked about it a little bit last week in the trade rumors, but Chubb was expected to be traded if the Broncos, you know, had lost this week or are in a full rebuild mode. So this is kind of interesting considering that they still owe Russ a big contract um, if they truly are in a rebuild mode. I think Chase Edmonds going to this Broncos team makes this mess of a backfield even a bigger into like a bigger mess like i i don't know like you got chase edmonds you got latavius murray you got melvin gordon mike boone like what side i don't know the broncos are super confusing because after giving up um bradley chubb then they send a fourth and a fifth rounder in 2024 to the jets for jacob martin to fill the void uh if you don't know who jacob martin is because he's pretty pedestrian (laughs) i have no idea yeah he's pretty pedestrian this seems like a case of you know now we have bradley chubb at home so (laughs) i don't really know what the broncos are doing but the dolphins are for sure making moves because they also grabbed jeff wilson jr from the Mm. 49ers who get their 2023rd fifth rounder back (laughs) you know what's more logical than a former Niners running back reuniting with Mike McDaniels on the Miami 49ers. <laughs> okay. Um, I think this is really good for Jeff Wilson Jr. So if you have already panic dropped him after this past week, better run and pick him up because, you know, I think he finds himself as an easy 1B. You know, this is an offensive system that he will be familiar with versus – what was expected to happen the remainder of the season, you know, was him sitting behind CMC and Elijah Mitchell when Elijah Mitchell returns. So this is good for uh, Jeff Wilson. Mm -hmm. So in the six games that Jeff Wilson and uh, Mostert played together for the 49ers in 2020 under Mike McDaniels' system, Mostert averaged 13.2 fantasy points per game, while Jeff Wilson averaged uh, 7.6. Now, these are full PPR points, but that's any indication of how this will shake out for Miami. He is a decent flex option for you. Okay. All right. All right. Now, in a surprising move, the Bills Whoa. traded for Naheem Hines um, in exchange for Zach Moss and a six rounder that can go up could potentially become a fifth rounder. So the Bills last week, we didn't report on this, but the Bills did call the Saints originally about trading for 
um, Alvin Kamara, according to Jay Glazer, and this comes after, obviously, they try to make a bid for CMC. Alvin Kamara said that he won't play for anywhere else. The Saints weren't really dealing him. Uh, I think Hines actually makes a lot of sense for this team because he's a great pass catching back. Hard to say what impact he will have on um, Devin Singletary, but James Cook has a very similar style of play, so I think his Mm. stock absolutely goes down. Um, Deion Jackson now without Naheem Hines, I think is worthy of a pickup here. I know that obviously the Colts are getting Zach Moss in return, but he did more in two games than Zach Moss (laughs) has done the majority of his career. Mm, And Jonathan Taylor potentially being injured again. Um, I think Deion Jackson has a better value here. Okay. And then um, just some trade news that didn't really shake out. So the Giants apparently did have interest in Jerry Judy, but the Broncos wanted a lot for him. And the Giants weren't in a position to give up high picks. Uh, To people's dismay, the Texans would only listen to offers that included a second round pick for Brandon Cooks. So... You know, people who called about teams that called for Brandon Cooks included the Giants, the Rams, and the Vikings, according to Adam Schefter. Um, but none of them were willing to give up a second round pick. The okay. Browns were willing, they said they were willing to grant Kareem Hunt's trade request um, for a fourth rounder and basically nothing else. So, again, this is a situation where teams were not um, willing to give up that draft capital considering that he is going to be a free agent next year um giants gm joe showen said that obj is obviously a guy that they would consider and talk to when he is healthy so that was kind of an interesting bit of news there cool and then of course with cam Akers, (laughs) no one wants him nobody wanted him he's not traded by the deadline um, the reporters are saying that Akers is hoping for a fair resolution for his future beyond the Rams as he feels suiting up for them. Again, the season isn't in the best interest for his NFL path, even though the relationship is still amicable. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> Lots of trades. No one wants Cam Akers. He's just going to, you know, go, I'll go home, shake it off, and let's see what happens no, next year. Yeah, let's see. I don't know. Um, Okay, on to news and injuries. Um, So we already talked about Irv Smith being placed in the IR. So now Mm -hmm. Ian Rappaport reported last night that the Bengals are facing a likely a major loss. They said that the quarterback, Shadobe Awuzi, is feared to have suffered a season-ending knee injury in last night's game. Um, He's getting an MRI today to confirm Mm -hmm. But the belief going in is a torn ACL, which is really unfortunate. Um, Texans listed Brandon Cooks as wrist slash not injury related on today's injury report. He did not practice for what Lovey Smith termed as personal reasons. I think he's just (laughs) a little bit sad that he's still on this team and he's probably just, you know, Um, nursing his little heartache. (laughs) True, true. That hurts. I don't know if you saw, but all last week he was on Twitter. I love when these guys like always take to Twitter, but he was on Twitter liking all these teams that 
or like all the things all the tweets that were trade rumors about him going to different teams and like liking different teams like tweets and stuff it's pretty funny oh. <laughs> so that could be the wrist mm-hmm. injury i don't know it's just too many likes on twitter <laughs> um a packers wide receiver christian watson he was ruled out on sunday's game um, for a concussion, so he is currently in the concussion protocol. We'll probably get updates later this week. Josh McDaniel said he didn't have any updates on Darren Waller, who has been dealing with a hamstring injury, and he missed his third straight game on Sunday. Uh, McDaniel said that, you know, obviously during the week, Waller practices in limited capacity, and they're trying to err on the side of caution. Uh Patriots wide receiver Devonta Parker suffered a knee sprain, but she'll only miss one game. Saints running back Mark Ingram suffered a knee injury, a grade two ankle sprain. He's expected to be sidelined three to four weeks. Chargers injury updates. Uh, wide receiver Josh Palmer and tight end Donald Parham, who both missed week seven with concussions, are back in individual drills yesterday. So they should be fine now. Notable Keenan Allen reportedly not practicing again. Wow. Um, Austin Eckler, I believe, last week he tweeted that he would pick up Josh Palmer for his fantasy team if he was on the waiver wire. So that gives so I did. Did you? So yeah, of of course. Anything Austin Eckler says, I'll go for it. Yeah, that's some like insider trading. <laughs> um let's see ravens tight end mark andrews avoided a major injury um coach harbaugh said he is dealing with shoulder and ankle injuries um rashad bateman is going to be out a few weeks with the foot injury and gus edwards is day-to-day with a mild hamstring injury Okay. Now, Coach Robert Sala says that wide receiver Corey Davis is still day-to-day um, and no current players on the IR for the team will come off until at least after the bye week. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, like we said, twisted Oof. his ankle on Sunday after just coming back from that ankle injury. So the team is monitoring and he is considered day-to-day. Chuba Hubbard with an ankle Chuba. injury says he feels good about his chances to get back on the field this week. Uh, Kadarius Tony, you know, he cleared the physicals. Andy Reid said that Tony is healthy and ready to practice, and they look forward to getting him in the mix. Okay. And then last but not least, um, Cooper Cup injured his ankle on a six-yard catch against the Niners with a minute remaining on Sunday. There's some tissue swelling, but no structural damage, so... McVeigh believes that he should be good to play in week nine. And that actually wraps it up for our injury report. I think this is the shortest injury report we've had all season. <laughs> not bad, not bad. And that <laughs> takes us to week eight matchup. So Thursday night football, this felt like so long ago at this point. Oh man, um, I forgot everything. Yeah, it was Ravens Bucks. So the final score ended up 27-22. So for the Ravens, uh uncharacteristically, this offense came came out hammering the passing game. Um Lamar ended the first half 19 
out of 30 for 144. And he totaled 27 out of 38 for 238 and two passing touchdowns. And then nine carries for 43. Devin Duvernay uh, caught all four of his passes for 31 and had two carries for 33, which includes a 15-yard rushing touchdown in the fourth. Mark Andrews, who entered the game questionable, got all of his work in early, three out of five for 33. Isaiah likely slid comfortably into the pass-catching tight end role um, after Mark Andrews left when he fell on that shoulder. So he had six out of seven for 77 and a touchdown. Gus Edwards looked really good in the second game back, um, 11 carries for 65 before leaving in the fourth with a hamstring injury. So hopefully it doesn't keep him sidelined for long. And then Kenyon Drake, he was primarily used as the pass catching back for this team, Uh, caught all four targets for five and a touchdown and had seven carries for 62. Now for the Bucks, so Brady ended up 26 out of 44, 325 air yards um, and only a passing touchdown in the final drive of the game, thanks to running the two-minute drill and taking a roughing the passer penalty. Nice. And yeah, it was not the Bucks just look terrible, man. Like it's another game where the run is abandoned. Um, Fournette nine carries for twenty-four and one caught all three for thirty-four. Rashad White four carries for nineteen caught all three for twenty-four. Then Evans and Godwin, they split the target share. So Evans, 6 out of 11 for 123, and Godwin, 6 out of 11 for 75. Julio Jones came out of nowhere (laughs) in the second half. Uh, His work was pretty much in the fourth quarter during the no-huddle offense, having two end zone targets, one almost getting picked off because of a bad decision by Brady, and the second one um, was a catch and run for a touchdown. And... That was pretty much it for that game. I don't know. Do you think the Bucks are going to ever turn it around this season? I'm thinking not. Uh, I'm betting on, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady now finally uh, signed his divorce papers. So that limbo between getting to that point and doing that, it's very, you know, it's very, uh, it, it sucks your life out. That's does that's why we have thin thin Tom Brady out there, you know, very skinny. Uh, so I feel like he can actually turn it around because now he can fully focus on football. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. So if he gets his head straight, he has the pieces, he has the talent, and um, they could, you know, do a little run. The, the division sucks anyway, so uh, why not? Let's dream big, Tom Brady. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, then on Sunday, we move into our London game, which Broncos finally get a win mm. 21-17 over the Jaguars. Like we right, said, baby. you know, a lot of weird things happen when the players play overseas. Um, the Broncos, very classic. The first meaningful play that Russ made was throwing an interception. And it really wasn't until the fifth drive that this offense finally got it together. He ended up 18 out of 30 for 252 and one and four carries for 17. Now Latavius Murray led the backfield this week, 14 carries for 46 and a touchdown. He caught one for 13. Melvin Gordon started the game, but ended up more as an afterthought later in the game, nine carries for 29 and one and three catches for 23. And 
surprisingly, Jerry Judy looked a lot better in this game than Cortland Sutton. He caught six out of seven targets, 63 and one, while Sutton only caught one out of four targets for 13. So, you know, like I said, a lot of weird things happened in London. Greg Dulcich, he played on 82% of snaps um, in this game and had four out of five for 87. He looks really good out there. I think, you know, for a rookie tight end, like he could end up a top top tight end on the year. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, for the Jaguars, the Trevor Lawrence now has the worst winning percentage of all number one picks in 25 Mm -hmm. games. Yikes. Um, 18 out of 31 for only 133 and one and three carries for 15. ETN was really the only good part of this Jags offense. He had 24 carries for 156 and a touchdown, and he brought in all three targets, but only for six. Uh, Christian Kirk got absolutely locked down by Pat Sertain, um, only three catches for 40. And then Evan Ingram led the team receptions, which was only four. (laughs) Four out of six for 55 and one. Good tight end there, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, then we move into the early slates, and we actually had really, really exciting games, I feel like, across the whole, all the early slates. So first off, we have um, Dolphins-Lions, and the final score was 31-27. So for the Dolphins, obviously, Tua had himself a day, 29 out of 36, 382 and 3, 5 carries for 19, excellent poise in the pocket, and for the most part, he hit clean intermediate throws. Um, Tyreek Hill, he's always open between the 20s and is a threat to score from really anywhere. Um, 12 out of 14 for 188, but Waddle gets most of the red zone looks. So he ended up 8 out of 9 for 106 and 1. I think both are amazing options, especially when it comes to fantasy, and Tua is really good at feeding both of them. There were a few underthrows, meaning there's still points left on the board at times, but this is a top fantasy offense when challenged into a pass-friendly game script. Um, even Gesicki was productive in this game, three out of four for 38 and a touchdown. I think, you know, with the Dolphins' pass game being so dominant and them being up early in this matchup, the team really didn't need to establish a run, which is why Moster ended up 14 for 64 and Chase Edmonds only four for 14. Um, For the Lions, uh, Goff was unspectacular, but better than you could hope for after the last couple weeks. 27 out of 37, 321 and one. It was very, very clear from this game that DeAndre Swift was still worried about his shoulder. He was taking everything from the outside and really avoided contact. Um, five for six, and then five out of five for 27 and one. Even Dan Campbell came out after the game and said that they may have given him one too many touches as he's not 100% back yet. So, you know, Jamal Williams had a strong game to make up for it. He had 10 for 53 and two, caught all three targets for 23. TJ Hawkinson and Khalif Raymond really helped the Lions get huge gains in this game. Hawkinson caught three out of four targets for 80, and Cleef Raymond three out of four targets for 76. Amon Ross St. Brown looked more like himself as well after playing through injuries lately, so seven out of 10 targets caught for 89. Mm-hmm. 
Um, moving into Panthers Falcons. I, if you had told me like this was going to be like the second highest score of the week, like I would have laughed at you. Like this is yeah. crazy. What a surprising game. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> obviously both had the unexpected chance to take the lead in the NFC South. And now the Falcons are on top. Wow. Crazy. Um, 34-37 was the final score. So for the Panthers, P.J. Walker looked impressive Mm. against Mm -hmm. a weak Falcons defense. You know, he completed 19 out of 36 passes for 317 and a touchdown and had a carry for 20. That Hail Mary touchdown to force overtime against the Falcons, like that was wild. 62 yards in the air. Breaks a record for longest yeah. pass ever. <laughs> it's so crazy. I think, you know, DJ Moore looks like he's once again a set and forget like wide receiver as long as PJ Walker is the quarterback. Um, you know, Walker was always looking to him first and was forcing him, forcing him the ball at times. And yes. prior to this, you know, DJ Moore this season, he had a 24% target share over the first six games. And only wow. 57 of those targets were actually deemed as catchable, uh, which is 19% below the NFL average. And over the last two games, he had a 38% target share, and 76% of those were catchable, according to PFF. So, you know, now he's got less competition on this offense without CMC, and obviously the quarterback change. Things are looking up for. DJ Moore, who knew that PJ Walker would be the answer to fantasy managers' players? <laughs> a superstar in the XFL, you know, champion and everything. Yeah, it had to come back. It will, it will happen eventually, and it's we're seeing it right before our eyes. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. Um, without Chuba Hubbard, Dante Foreman killed it in this game as Ooh. well. I, I should I say like he yes, maybe even looked it. a little Derek Derek Henry esque. You know he was the backup for him in Tennessee. This game he had twenty six carries for one eighteen and three, which is absolutely insane. Amazing, absolutely insane. Um, great showing by the Panthers. Unfortunately, obviously they fell short in overtime. But let's talk about the Falcons. So. Okay. It turns out the Falcons' passing attack isn't really all that bad when they actually let Mariota throw it more than 10 times a game. Oh. Um, 20 out of 28 were 253 and 3, and then six carries for 43. Like, those are great numbers for him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Algier, he looks like a very startable back, at least until Cordero Patterson's back, you know. Um, he's got a medium floor, low ceiling kind of player. Um, you kind of just hope that he gets in the end zone. He had 14 carries for 39, three out of three catches for 46 and one. Looks a little slow, but, you know, a, worthy of a flex. I think this might have been his best game. So if you are holding on to Cordero Patterson, I don't think you have to worry for when he comes back. But before he comes back, if anyone's looking for a flex and he's still out there, could be worthy of a start. Kyle Pitts had a pretty good game, five out of nine mm-hmm. for 80 and one. I think this is the closest we've gotten to the Kyle Pitts of last season. Um, yeah. So things are looking up, maybe, <laughs> for yeah, Pitts he, owners. Well, he stayed in the most benches, including mine, so pretty sour at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. 
I think the last piece on the Falcons offense was just Drake London. He was, you know, really relegated to the short passing game. Only had four catches out of five for 31. But Falcons, man, they were able to pull it off. We'll see if they keep at it. We'll see. I don't know. Um, then we have another high-scoring game, Cardinals-Vikings, final score 26-34. <laughs> I think for the Cardinals, obviously, Kyler Murray, he will continue to put up points just based on the fact that his team is always, almost always trailing. Um, he had 31 out of 44 for 326 and three touchdowns, and then six carries for 36. I know Eno Benjamin is the running back one again with no James Conner, nine carries for 22. And four out of seven for 23. And then the Cardinals, they really honed in on the passing game for this game. DeAndre Hopkins, 12 out of 13, 159 and one. He, in just two games, he's had 22 catches for 262 yards. And he's currently on pace for 121 catches for 1,441 yards, even after missing six games. Like, he is him. He will, like, he is undoubtedly a high-end wide receiver one the rest of the season. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's crazy. Um, Rondale Moore, I mean, also a stud when they keep him in the slot. He had seven out of eight for 92 and a touchdown and two carries for 12. And then Zach Ertz got a touchdown in the third, had four out of five for 34. But the Vikings, man, they put up a good, good showing. You know, Kirk had a solid day. It's not a primetime Kirk day. So 24 out of 36 for 232 and two passing touchdowns, four carries for 22 and a touchdown for himself. Dalvin Cook, obviously phenomenal against the Cards, who couldn't stop the run at all. 20 carries for 111 and a touchdown and then five out of six targets for 30. Even Madison got a touchdown there. Justin Jefferson, just a couple short from 100, six out of eight for 98, but no touchdown, unfortunately. Um, Adam Thielen, six out of seven for 67. And then, of course, Irv Smith brought in all four targets, but not for much before he got hurt. Hmm. Then Bears-Cowboys, another surprising game. The final score is 29-49. So I know the score didn't look great, but if you actually watch the game, the Bears were contenders in this game That's for right. a long time. Um, then, obviously, you know, ultimately, they were still the weaker team. The Cowboys were the better team. So, eventually, that caught up to them. But the Bears actually looked pretty good. Um, Justin Fields looks like he's finally unlocked with the play calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 17 out of 23 for 151 and 2. Uh, eight carries for 60 and a touchdown. I think the design run plays that they have for him has made such a difference for him in terms of fantasy relevance, even if it hasn't fully translated into wins for the team in real football. I think he's looking good. Um, Montgomery and Herbert are both valuable, but I think Herbert is really coming into his own. He had 16 carries for 99 and one while Monty had 15 carries for 53 and then caught three targets for 22. Darnell Mooney was the only reliable target for this game, and the only one field seems to trust. Five out of five for 70. And then Cole Komet got a touchdown, but otherwise not much. Like we said, Bears' defense is decimated, but maybe this just gives more opportunities for fields to have to put up points. But you can start any positional player against them moving forward. 
And then for the Cowboys, Dak coming back from the injury hasn't really missed a beat at all. 21 out of 27 for 252 and in five carries for 34 and a touchdown. Tony Pollard is really, Mm. really good, even if it was just the Bears' defense. You know, we knew coming into this game that without Robert Quinn, the Cowboys were going to be able to exploit the run game. That's exactly what happened here. He had 14 carries for 131, catch for 16, and scored three touchdowns. Absolutely killer day. Um, CeeDee Lamb, five out of seven for 77 and a touchdown. Michael Gallup, four out of six for 49, but then faded away um, in the latter half of the game. And then Dalton Schultz, now with two back-to-back good games with Dak back, six out of 74, or six out of seven for 74. So Cowboys are looking really good. I know Ian is very, very eager to come on the podcast pretty soon here (laughs) to talk to us about Dallas. Dallas football. Cool, cool, cool. Um, then we move into uh, Raiders Saints. Oh my gosh! Zero twenty four was the final score. I think you know for the Raiders, oh, not God. much to talk about on the side of the ball. The O line played so terribly that even Josh Jacobs couldn't do much. Derek Carr, he looked like he was taking sacks just because he was scared. <laughs> like, Poor man. Oh my God! What a I don't know what happened. The Raiders being Raiders, but uh, for the Saints, Andy Dalton ended up 22 out of 30 for 229 and two. But early on, it looked like it was going to be a Taysom Hill game because he spent time both as a quarterback and a receiver. But then the Saints gave up on the game plan when they realized that the Raiders could not do shit, um, especially against Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara finally got his touchdowns. 18 for 62 and one, and then nine out of 10 um, targets caught for 96 and two. The rest of the offense did okay, but this was the Alvin Kamara show, like through and through. And maybe that's what he meant by, you know, them getting back to playing Saints football. It's just him just killing it out there. That's how you do it. That's just how how you do do it. Just give the ball to your best man. Throw it to him, give it to him, and that's how you win. Don't stop people tinkering with your teams. Just, just <laughs> play your studs, uh, managers out there in real life. Yep. Um, next up, we have Steelers Eagles. Final score was thirteen thirty-five. <sighs> now, the Steelers' offensive line is really bad, and mm. they can't run the ball, and so the pressure is just all on Pickett to make plays. If you watch the game, you know that Pickett has a long way to go before becoming mm-hmm. a quality starter. You know, obviously Philly had two corners and they played really well yesterday on Sunday and they gave Deontay a lot of trouble. He ended out up five out of nine for 35. Pickett was pretty scattershot on downfield passes down the sideline, which is where Pickens normally thrives. So he didn't catch anything. Uh, Claypool had the best day out of the receiving core with a goal line carry uh, for a touchdown. Otherwise, he had four out of six targets caught for 45. I don't know. Most of those balls didn't even give the receiver a chance to make a play. I feel like it's going to be like this a lot the rest of this year. Um, it's a crowded receiving core with Deontay and Pickens and Friermuth 
and the running backs trying to catch dump offs. And there's no room for the Steelers to establish a run game because their O-line sucks, which is why they abandoned the run. I don't know. Just <laughs> rough showing for the Steelers. Nah, and the Eagles, be... man. The Eagles. the Eagles are the Eagles. They're, they have the best offensive and best defensive line, so don't be too hard on the poor Steelers. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> so shocking to me that the Eagles are undefeated. <laughs> Um, but this was the, I mean, this game, when you look back and watch it, this was the Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown show. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, 19 out of 28 for 285 and four, two carries for 10. Uh, he looked like he was more willing to look for routes down the field, which resulted in his first touchdown pass against the Blitz this season. A.J. Brown had six out of 11 for 156 and three touchdowns. Um He's officially hit 659 receiving yards on the year, which is more than all of the Titans wide receivers combined. Wow. wow. <laughs> so we know who won out in that trade. Um, mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard brought it in all six for 64. And then really the run game for the Eagles was pretty much an afterthought here since they didn't really need it. Miles Sanders got some action in the fourth, ended up nine carries for 78 and the touchdown. But man, what what a showing by Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. This is very it's like a Josh Allen Stephon Diggs situation. Mm-hmm. Looking good. Looking great. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we have Patriots Jets. Final score was 22-17. So for the Patriots, I think Mac Jones did what he could at least to keep this offense from becoming Bailey Zappies again. Uh <laughs> Ramondre's stat line. Wasn't the greatest, but he was really dominant, actually, against the Jets. 16 carries for 71, caught 7 out of 8 for 72. If he, I think he passes the eye test to me. Like, this guy, he's so hard to tackle. He can make guys miss in space and can turn zero-yard gains into much bigger ones by just powering through attempted tackles. Um, Damian Harris, he looked fine in his limited touches. 11 out, carries for 37, caught 2 for 15, and then... Jacoby Myers led the receiver room for the Pats, had nine um, catches out of 12 targets for 60 and a touchdown. Meanwhile, for the Jets, uh, Zach Wilson looked fine until the end of the second when he gets intercepted three times. So Mm -hmm. he reverted back to his old self. And after that, he just couldn't get his head together. You know, and Robert Salad said he never considered pulling Wilson. He said Wilson, barring injury, will be the starter for the remainder yeah. of the year. Which, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, neither J-Rob or Michael Carter are, looks to be very startable right now. The timeshare is still kind of up in the air because J-Rob is obviously getting his feet wet um, for the first time as a Jet. And then even Ty Johnson got some work in, too. Um, most importantly, the offensive line just looked bad, you know. I think having Brees Hall, a talented back like Brees Hall, masked a lot of the a lot of these problems with big plays. And I don't know that J Rob and Michael Carter have that same ability. You know, Wilson still has a problem with hitting the dump offs and kills drives with his interceptions and accuracy issues. So this offense never really gets it going in this game. Um, Tyler Conklin and Garrett Wilson with a star of the receiving core. 
Conklin had six out of 10 for 79 and two, and then Wilson six out of seven for 115. Mm -hmm. The dream is over. The dream is over, I think, for almost all New York teams this week. (laughs) Um, Titans, Texans, final score 17 10. So for the Titans, you know, rookie Malik Willis took the start, lucky for him. Titans were going up against the league's 32nd ranked rushing defense in the oh, Titans. My, like, so, Willis. yeah, Willis was barely asked to the ball. He only attempted 10 passes on the day. It was King Henry that carried this team on his back to yet another victory. Uh, you know, crazy, crazy stat here. Derrick Henry's first 11 touches was 72 yards. Houston Texans' first 11. Offensive drives only total 51 yards. Right. <laughs> Derrick Henry is better than the entire Texans offense combined. Um, for the Texans, I think Davis Mills seems to be hitting a sophomore slump, which has Brandon Cooks and Brandon Cooks owners wanting him off this team, but doesn't look like it will happen. Um, Damian Pierce was bottled up the whole game, a garbage time touchdown at the very end of the game. Saved his fantasy line, but otherwise, yeah, the Texans look bad. Um, moving into Giants Seahawks, the final score was 13-27. Now, for the Giants, the O-line looks kind of shot, but they were still able to keep the game close until Richie James muffed two punts, which basically gave the Seahawks two free touchdowns. Um, you can just feel that the Giants were about to pull out, out the game on the back of some Saquon magic like they do every other week until that second punt, and then it just – everything crumbled. Um, Darius Slayton actually looked pretty good. You know, had some good catches, five out of six for 66. But the Giants really honed in on the run game until late in the game, so he wasn't used much. Wondell Robinson had a quiet game as he's more of a short yardage guy than Slayton, two out of three for 15. Hmm. And then Saquon, of course, still had a decent day, 20 for 53 and one, caught three for nine. Meanwhile, for the Seahawks, Gino had a bunch of passes that were either uncatchable or just not brought in by his wide receivers. Uh, 23 out of 34 for 212 and two, five carries for 26. Kenneth Walker, 18 carries for 51 and one touchdown. Lockett was very up and down all game. He ended up five out of eight for 63-1, while Metcalf surprised us because, you know, he's coming off that knee injury was questionable. Um, Didn't really seem like he was going to play, but ended up playing. Six out of 10 for 55-1. and Then we have the Commanders Colts. So final Mm. score was 17-16. So... For the Commanders, Taylor Heineke continues to prove himself better than Carson Wentz. Uh, 23 out of 31 for 279-1. Had six carries for 29 and a touchdown. The Commanders seem to still be pushing Brian Robinson as their running back one. He had eight carries for 20. Antonio Gibson's pass-catching ability saves him here, although... Um, the way that they, this offense uses him is probably really annoying for fantasy owners. He had seven carries for 19 and then caught seven out of seven for 58 in the touchdown. 
Terry McLaurin was targeted in almost half of the wide receiver targets. He had six out of eight for 113. And even though the team really leans into Terry, Curtis Samuel, he was able to make plays when he got the chance, three out of 40 for 50 and in four carries for 29. Now for the Colts, Sam Ellinger actually moved pretty well in the pocket, you know, for a career first start. He had 17 out of 23 for 201 and six carries for 15. There's flashes of talent there and potential, which is just about all this team can ask for, I think. Jonathan Taylor, he had 16 carries for 76 before he got injured again. Uh, Naheem Hines stepped up, five carries for 20 and two catches for 29. And then Michael Pittman was the centerpiece of this offense that just couldn't get it done, seven out of nine for 53. Okay. Um, Then we have 49ers Rams. Final score, (laughs) 31-14. Wow. Happy about that one. Yeah. It was kind of rough the first quarter um, when I was down. I was at just like a bar. Obviously, there are L.A. fans. I say fans in quotes because are they really (laughs) L.A. fans? Um, But it was kind of, you know, a rough first quarter. But once the offense got going, uh. Got a lot of mean looks. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, but, you know, for the Niners, Jimmy was productive as usual. 21 out of 25, 235 and 2. Like I said, took a little bit for this offense to get going. But once it did, the game got really interesting. Obviously, CMC revived this offense with that 34-yard touchdown to Ayuk. Um, and then he had 18 carries for 94 and a touchdown. Caught 8 out of 9 targets for 55 and a touchdown, I think he did brilliantly to reorganize himself on a broken play uh, and made that sensational leaping grab in the end zone. Like, he looked like Jumpman, which was mm-hmm. fitting for his number 23. <laughs> and honestly, that was a pretty good play by Jimmy. You know, he went through his reads, didn't panic, found CMC with his eyes and followed him into the end zone, putting the ball on the top shelf where he knew only someone like CMC could be able to grab it. And mm. now... McCaffrey, he's the first player since 2005 with a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown in the same game. So in the last 50 years, there's only been a handful. We got 1979, Walter Payton, 2001, David Patton. Uh, Yeah, 2005, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, and now 2022, Christian McCaffrey. Um, as of the rest of the offense, you know, Ayuk ended up six out of six for 81 and a touchdown. And then Kittle, three out of five, 39 and a touchdown. So great showing by the Niners. Um, can't say the same for the Lambs. Matthew Stafford still looks to be struggling hard. That entire backfield was just an absolute mess. So really, again, Cup, obviously the most consistent player here, eight out of 12. For 79 and one, two carries for 10. And then Higby had a really poor show. Oh, um, just like I said in the beginning of the season, the yep. guy's got bricks for hands, like two out of six for 15. Dropping passes left and right. I know because it was my tight end. I need a few points off him and he just didn't deliver the goods and I lost. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And the Rams, who's their daddy? The 49ers, I guess then. <laughs> yeah, at least in the regular season for mm-hmm. sure. Um, all right, oh, then we boy. got Sunday night football, Packers Bills. Final score was 1727. 
the Packers, they really took a play from Arthur Smith's book by committing to the run game even when they were trailing, which is funny. Um, obviously, Aaron Jones was great. 20 carries for 143, 4 out of 5 for 14. A.J. Dillon was pedestrian. Aaron Rodgers looked tired for most of the game. And I don't know, that receiving core just doesn't look great. I mean, after a few rough showings, Romeo Dalves finally comes closest to being a breakout star again. Um, caught four out of seven for 62 and a touchdown. But outside of that, this offense could not get it done against an elite Bills defense. Um, for the Bills, we already know the story. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, they're elite. Singletary, as we've said this before, is a smart start when the Bills play supposedly quality teams. And, you know, when they play matchups that they think will be close, then they use Singletary more, which is kind of the case here. Gabe Davis, not a lot of usage in this game. You know, he nearly had a 29-yard touchdown, but caught it out of bounds at the back end zone. I think he's still getting a few good deep targets, but just they didn't really connect this week. But the Bills didn't need him. Dawson Knox only involved in a handful of targets as well, but caught a, pa- a touchdown pass for the second straight game in a row. So he finished okay. But yeah, this is uh Packers are looking rough. Packers, Bucks. Who do you think, it, which team do you think is more likely to turn it around more? Like the Packers or the Bucks? Oh, no, the Bucks all the way. Packers, they have nothing. I mean, they didn't even do any trade moves. It's just pedestrian at this moment. Buccaneers, I mean, you still have Tom Brady, man. I mean, he's going to turn it around. I, I foresee it in his future that he'll just focus back and get better receivers at least. Yeah, I actually just saw a really funny meme just now. Um, it was like a little cartoon of three kids like trick-or-treating. And they're like <laughs> pulling out the candy that they got from their bags. And it was like the Packers, the Vikings and the bears and it was like <laughs> i gotta you know the vikings pull one out they're like i got a tight end what'd you get and the bears are like i got a wide receiver what'd you get and the packers are like i got a rock oh yeah basically yeah it's a disaster poor that team i don't <laughs> know they're not gonna be able to turn it around i'm sorry yeah man what a what a downfall from you know mvp to this for aaron Rodgers. Plus their uh, their comf- their uh, their division, you know, they have the Vikings uh, only one loss, while the Buccaneers, everyone's still in the mix in that division. Everyone's kind of stuck. Yeah. All right, Monday Night Football. Ugh. Oh, Halloween night for the Bengals. I Halloween called it. Night. I called it. It was gonna be an ugly game, and so it was. Bengals got spooked for sure. Final scores: thirteen thirty-two. Kevin Stefanski is now 4-0 against the Bengals. Um, my God. Oh, poor, poor, poor Joe Burrow. You know, I love Joe Burrow. Yes, you do. And, you know, this team, they really missed Jamar Chase in this game. And the O-line was an absolute dumpster fire. Like, what a rough showing. Joe Burrow was taking sacks left and right. Just couldn't get off even like short and intermediate passes they just they weren't connecting you know and i know the Bengals made the super bowl last year but i still think that zach taylor is not that great of a coach when it comes mm-hmm. to scheming a good offensive plan 
You know, he's really been just winning games based off individual talent. You know, when you have Jamar Chase, you got Higgins, you got Boyd, like one of them is going to be able to make a big play for you, but he's too reliant on that. And now we see when you take, um, you know, you take away a piece, a pawn in the chess game, <laughs> things just fall apart. That's right. Um, I mean, for the Browns, you know, obviously Chubb is the best between the tackles running back in the league. He had a great, great day. Amari Cooper, I think the, I think we have enough data the now to, defend, no? to definitively uh, fit our narrative that Amari Cooper at home is a surefire big game. Um, Fire him up. Fire him up at home, at least. Um, the Browns, they found a great balance between Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Teeth and both being lethal weapons. But I think that when Deshaun Watson comes back, he's just going to throw everything out of whack. So who knows what will happen with this Browns offense. Oh, my. Oh, my. I told you. The, 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 the Browns stadium, their field is cursed. All the <laughs> games that happen there turn ugly. Not too many fantasy points. I don't know. It's, uh, I just never use... I, I hate it when teams play in Cleveland. Uh, it's just boring. It's a disaster. But uh, yeah, that this wraps up our uh, Hollywood. No Hollywood. Oh my gosh, our Halloween edition. So, you know, we gotta put this Moncast in the oven. It was so long. So, just like all the aforementioned trader players, we are out of here and into <laughs> greener pastures. <laughs>